Hello, everyone, and welcome to Education for Sustainable Democracy. I'm Brett Levy. This episode is part one of my interview with Professor Judy Pace, a professor of teacher education at the University of San Francisco who conducts research about social studies education. This year, she released a new book, Hard Questions, Learning to Teach Controversial Issues. The book describes a study she conducted of four teacher educators in three countries and how they taught pre-service teachers how to guide discussions of controversial public issues. Her study, which was funded by the Spencer Foundation, involved extensive travel, interviews, observations, and document analysis. And in our discussion, she describes her findings about the best ways to prepare teachers to guide discussions of controversial issues and how the context of the three countries in her study affected educators' work in this area. Part two of this interview will be released later this month. And thanks so much to all of you, the listeners. This month, I'm sending special shout outs to my regular listeners in Michigan, New York, Virginia, and California. I'm glad the show has been interesting and useful for you. And thanks for helping to spread the word about the show. Everyone, please remember to give the show five stars in your podcast app and to tell a friend about the show. Thank you all. Now here's part one of my interview with Professor Judy Pace. Judy, it's really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be with you, Brett. Your book, Hard Questions, is a very exciting piece of research. And I'm wondering if you could give us an overview of the study that you describe in this book and what you are trying to figure out in studying these four teacher educators and their pre-service teachers. There's been so much great scholarship on teaching controversial issues, especially at the secondary level you know, all over the world, really. And so what I realized was that we really didn't know how teacher educators prepared pre-service teachers to do this work. And I and other people have called on teacher education to advance teaching for democracy. And this is such an important piece of that. So I just became really curious about what teacher educators were doing to educate pre-service teachers to be able to take on this demanding set of practices. So Mm -hmm. I recruited four teacher educators at four universities located in three countries, really interesting regional and national contexts. And I wanted to find out, you know, what they did to prepare pre-service teachers to teach controversial issues, what the pre-service teachers learned, and how they attempted to take up teaching controversial issues in their school placements And then the contextual factors that shaped both the preparation of the pre-service teachers and their taking up of these practices. And I studied one teacher educator in the Midwestern U.S., which was a very interesting area because it was really a mix of red and blue, Mm -hmm. um, politically polarized in, in some areas, very progressive in other areas, and conservative also, all mixed together. And then I was in the Midlands of England, and this was right after the Brexit vote happened. So that's Hmm. another really interesting location. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in Northern Ireland. And, you know, there's been a lot of really important work on teaching controversial issues for decades that started during the Troubles um, Mm -hmm. and has evolved over time. So it was really fascinating to spend time in those different locations and to get to know these amazing teacher educators and see their practice up close. You know, I observed their methods courses 
And then I did a series of interviews with each of the teacher educators and a handful of pre-service teachers from their courses. And I followed the pre-service teachers through their student teaching placements. Actually, in the Midwest, I had to follow up with them several months into their first year of teaching because Mm -hmm. that methods course happened as their student teaching placements were coming to an end. So in order to see how they took up some of these practices in their own classroom, I reconnected with them after they had taught several months in their very first teaching positions. Mm -hmm. So over what span of time did this study happen? I started the field work in September of 2016, and I ended it in the spring of 2018. So about a year and a half. So did you move back and forth across country lines during this time? You did. I did. I did. So I went to the UK for a couple of months in the fall, and then I came back to the States, and then I went back to the UK in the winter for another several weeks, and then I went to the Midwest for several weeks, came back home, and then I went back for another couple of weeks at the end of the semester. So it was two two stays at each location over the course of that year. And then I followed up through Zoom. Who knew that Zoom was going to become such a central part of our lives? Um, (laughs) But I I did my final interviews over Zoom. Wow. Well, that is quite a lot to take on. And it sounds really logistically challenging. I was on sabbatical. (laughs) So that really helped a lot. And I was Mm -hmm. not able to observe the novices in their own classrooms. So- okay. I interviewed them and listened to their reports Ah, about their teaching. How many pre-service teachers or novices did you speak to in total? So the book is based on data from 15 pre-service teachers. Four teacher educators, 15 pre-service teachers. And of course, I also collected lots of documents, documents from the methods courses, curricular handouts and assignments and so on, program documents so I could learn about the institutional context. And then also the pre-service teacher sent me lesson plans and PowerPoints Mm -hmm. and things like that, Mm -hmm. assignments that they wrote for their methods courses. So what were some of the big takeaways from, from the data and your analyses? I think one of the big overarching findings is that teacher education can play a very important role in Mm -hmm. preparing novices to do this work. What I found was that the teacher educators that I studied, you know, each in their own way, provided their pre-service teachers with what I call an adaptable toolkit of conceptual and practical tools that they could select from and adapt to their own classroom and school situations. It's interesting that teaching controversial issues was interpreted in different ways, And some of that had to do with individual differences among the teacher educators. I think a lot of it had to do with disciplinary differences and also national contexts. So, for example, um, in Northern Ireland, there was a big emphasis, and in England as well, on discussion activities, whereas in the U.S., there was a bigger emphasis on teaching with and for discussion. So I saw these practices interpreted in various ways. Across the board, I would say that the pre-service teachers were um, anxious about teaching controversial issues, but also very receptive to it. In Northern Ireland in particular, I think they really saw it as 
very important for um, educating for peace and reconciliation in their divided country. But all of the pre-service teachers were passionate about it, although, of course, they too understood it in different ways. The pre-service teachers were really savvy about the contextual factors that shaped this work. They realized, again, especially in Northern Ireland, that young people bring what they call baggage in terms of what they learn from their families and their communities about Mm -hmm. the political divisions and social divisions in their society, and that somehow they needed to be uh, sensitive to that and responsive to that. Most mm-hmm. of the pre-service teachers did take up teaching controversial issues at least once in their school placements. And as I said, they adapted practices that they learned from the methods courses to fit their students, their curriculum, the school environment, and their own proclivities. And I also found that there were a lot of constraints in the schools. Sometimes it depended on the culture of the school that wasn't conducive Um, It worked best when the school was diverse and had a culture of embracing diversity and dialogue. Um, It was really difficult when um, schools had kind of traditional cultures where dialogue was not supported, where teachers were actually mandated to prepare for exams and coverage of the curriculum rather than opening things up for discussion and being able to to take some risks with students. And time, timetables were another big constraint. So in Northern Ireland, for example, citizenship is a very low status subject. Hmm. Uh, The curriculum from 2007 has so much possibility and controversial issues are actually embedded within it. But you're lucky if citizenship happens for 35 minutes a week. And sometimes Hmm. it doesn't happen at all. It can be delivered in different ways, like through school assemblies and guest speakers and other activities. So that time constraint um, was very, very difficult. (laughs) So it's in the curriculum, but there isn't like a class period carved out for it. It can be. It depends Mm -hmm. on the individual school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very variable. This is a common complaint. It's a long story, but citizenship was embedded within a larger curricular area called learning for life and work. And Mm -hmm. individual schools get to decide how they're going to, quote, deliver citizenship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. One practice that you describe in your earlier work and expand upon in your new book was something that you call contained risk-taking. Could you explain what that is exactly? Sure. I realized that While these teacher educators were preparing their graduate students to explore controversial issues with their students, they were also teaching them a set of strategies for containing the risks that can accompany teaching controversial issues. So we know that um, these risks involve possibility of classroom conflict and even, you know, hurting students who identify with vulnerable groups. Um, We know that there can be pushback from parents and community members that can be um, full of recriminations. And we know that administrators can sanction teachers for venturing into this territory. Um, So the teacher educators as a group, as a set, um, taught eight strategies that I identified to contain these risks. And these include cultivating a supportive environment before you even get started, preparing really thoroughly. So preparation would include thinking about 
students' identities and the school context that you're working in, as well as knowing your subject matter really well and figuring out what your purposes are and what your methods are going to be. And then thinking through teacher stance, you know, what roles are the t- is the teacher going to play? What's their position on the issues that they're teaching? Whether or not they should disclose their views? And then communicating proactively with students and parents and administrators to make sure that you know, there are no surprises that people know the issues that you're going to be addressing. Teachers need to think really carefully about the issues that they're going to be teaching, the timing of the issues. So starting with issues that are further away, that don't hit as close to home, that are less charged, and gradually building up to the ones that really do hit close to home and that students are going to have more emotional reactions to. Um, Framing the questions in a way that are calling for students to think about the multiple positions that are out there rather than starting with their own opinions about them. And then they also need to think carefully about the resources that they're going to bring to the classroom and the pedagogies that they're going to use. So they want to choose resources that are going to challenge students' assumptions and make sure that students are looking at diverse voices and perspectives. And they need to choose pedagogies that are going to foster participation among all students in equitable ways. They need to think about how they're going to guide the discussion. So discussion Mm -hmm. is at the centerpiece of teaching controversial issues, and there are all kinds of really fantastic tools out there. So teachers need to be familiar with these tools, and they need to, again, use the ones that they think are going to cultivate equitable participation and make sure that everybody's voices in the classroom are included. And then finally, they need to think about addressing emotions. So they need to anticipate the emotions that students may bring in talking about these issues. They need to be familiar with de-escalation techniques that they may want to use. And they need to also foster self-awareness among students um, so that they can even become metacognitive about their reactions to these issues. Wow, that is a lot. It's a really great list. And I'd like to dig into a couple of them. Mm -hmm. When it comes to tools, it seems like tools can be really useful because it's something that new educators could take and say, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm doing this for the first time. I'm teaching about whether or not the US should have dropped the atomic bomb, or I'm teaching about the Black Lives Matter movement, or I'm teaching about a presidential election, something that could raise a lot of emotions. What are some of the tools that teacher educators shared with pre-service teachers to help them engage in these types of potentially heated discussions? It depended on the discipline. So we can start with history. Source mm-hmm. analysis. Source analysis is, is, a, is a big one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would model discussion activities that would revolve around bringing in different sources, you know, primary sources, secondary sources, images often, and um, model different kinds of creative activities. Some of them would be kind of ranking. Um, So in one lesson, Ian, teacher educator in England, is uh, framing his lesson around the question, what made German reserve police officers massacre Jews in Josepho, Poland during the Holocaust? And he has students in small groups do a ranking activity where they're considering lots and lots of different factors that historians have written about. And he gives them evidence bit by bit 
and they rearrange the factors and they prioritize them in different ways depending on the piece of evidence that they're getting. And they realize by the end of the lesson that depending on the evidence that is brought to bear, they change their views about what made these reserve police officers kill Jews. So -hmm. they get to understand the discipline of history and how people's understanding of history gets shaped by sources and different kinds of evidence. And they also think about this really weighty question. And then at the end, they learn about the trials that happened. And they think about whether justice was served or not um, in terms of people being held accountable for their actions during the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of using sources in a really creative way to get students thinking hard um, Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. important questions. It's a tool and it's also a structure. So exactly, there's the tool, but then here's what you do with these tools. Yes. And the pre-service teachers thought, especially in their interviews with me, they really thought about what was so effective about being presented with historical sources in that way, how it kind of opened up their thinking step by Mm -hmm. step, made them go deeper. Another one, obviously, in citizenship, there's structured academic controversy. I think many Mm -hmm. people are familiar with that one. And that can be done in different ways. So in one of the citizenship classes that my pre-service teachers talked with me about, in a 35-minute class, he couldn't have a four-person structured academic controversy. So it had to be a paired deliberation. So it was a lot more simple and it took a lot less time, but at least he got students talking about different sides of the question, you know, should the internet be censored for racist speech? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, you know, Socratic seminar, there's town hall. Mm -hmm. The teacher educator in the Midwestern U.S. brought in programs like the Choices Program from Brown University and the Mm -hmm. National Issues Forum. Mm -hmm. So there's really a lot for teachers to work with these days. So it sounds like the key tools are sources, evidence-based sources, and perhaps opinion pieces that are well-informed. And then there are tools that are these activity structures that can be used to help young people digest the tools and analyze them appropriately. That's part of it. Then there are tools that are a little bit different. So maybe more organic and less formally structured. So using film clips and then having students respond to those. Uh, Mm -hmm. What reaction does this generate in you? And then stepping back and thinking, you know, about metacognitively, like I said before, what may be making you react this way. Mm -hmm. In Northern Ireland, there's a practice where fictional characters are used. So Mark Drummond, one of my teacher educators in Northern Ireland, um, had developed this approach with one of his pre-service teachers years ago, using fictional characters that represent extreme positions that are sort of emblematic of communities that are really at odds with one another and getting Mm -hmm. students to think about the motivations behind those character statements and then Mm. being able to relate those to what they've learned growing up in this divided country and how that might even influence some of their perspectives. So that's a really creative way of going about some of this. And then the other teacher educator in Northern Ireland um, had a slew of different discussion activities, some of them even being nonverbal. So Hmm. silent conversation, actually circulating, you know, a big piece of poster paper and having students respond to a provocative resource 
or a set of stories and having them write their responses and circulate it around the classroom. World Cafe, where students in a small group kind of write their ideas uh, in response to questions that they're prompted with and then circulate that among other groups in the class. And some of those actually relate to contain risk-taking. Mm-hmm. Times opening things up to a whole class, you know, verbal discussion is just too risky. So working in small groups with various prompts and circulating ideas non-verbally, and then maybe doing a debrief at the end is, is another way to go. Going back to Mark Drummond, he used simulation. He, he had created mm-hmm. this simulation where he set up a dispute in a community in Northern Ireland around parading, which is a very contentious activity that happens every July, where mm. loyalists you know, march in these parades and sometimes they go through Catholic communities and it's very provocative and people perceive it as triumphalist. We have mm-hmm. conquered you. We're celebrating this event that happened in 1690 and it's still a very emotionally charged event. And there have been many, many disputes. This is something that still happens. And so he had students simulate negotiations over restrictions that would um, keep marching contained so as not to provoke Catholics in that community. So -hmm. there's all kinds of possibilities. That's what I learned is that I think in the U.S. we tend to think in certain ways about teaching controversial issues, but in other places around the world, it's being done differently. And that was Mm -hmm. really interesting. Absolutely. So you just described a number of tools, simulations, sources, different activity structures, film clips. And based on what you said in your book, pre-service teachers really appreciated seeing these things either modeled or having opportunities to design them and perhaps practice them in the form of micro-teaching. I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about what they said about what helped them learn these strategies best? Yeah. Well, across the board, the pre-service teachers really appreciated modeling of the instructor. And so they learned a lot from being engaged as students in these various activities and lessons. And especially when they were accompanied, and they were usually accompanied by debriefs. Sometimes the debriefs were limited by time. That was really important to get students thinking about what was effective about this, how would I do this in my own classroom, being able to raise questions about how to do it in different conditions. So that was across the board really, really important, especially explicit modeling. Could you clarify what explicit versus implicit would would be? So I think it's very common for teacher educators to model all kinds of Mm -hmm. lessons and activities, but we don't always take the time to talk with our students about what we did and why we did it and -hmm. give them a chance to discuss how they experienced it and what questions they might have about how to apply it in their own teaching Mm -hmm, situation. mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by being explicit is building in the explication of, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And then um, discussing with my students what this looks like, how they experienced it, how they can use it, how they can apply Mm -hmm. it. It sounds like what you're describing also could apply to any type of professional development program, correct? Sure, absolutely. Another key practice that you mentioned was opportunities to practice designing lessons and even enacting a portion of such a lesson. Could you talk a bit about that? So what I found in the 
U.S. example was that a lot of the class was devoted to the pre-service teachers designing lessons around a controversial issue and teaching it to the class. So that was a small group. Um, there were 10 people in that group, and they all got to do this at least twice with a partner. So mm -hmm. they would plan, they would get feedback from the professor, and then they would enact their lesson with the class. And, you know, not all of it was focused on a controversial question per se, but yes, I observed several lessons that um, related to a controversial issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they really, really, they, they really appreciated having that opportunity. And so, you know, one, one of the implications of my study, I, I really think, is that we need to support university-based teacher education that has plenty of time for coursework because there are really, really important things happening in those methods courses and they need a sufficient amount of time to be able to mm -hmm. accomplish everything mm -hmm. that they, they need to. That was part one of my interview with Judy Pace, professor of teacher education at the University of San Francisco. Her new book is Hard Questions, Learning to Teach Controversial Issues. You can find out more about the book and about Judy Pace at the links in the show notes. Please stay tuned for part two of the interview, which will be released very soon. And this is Education for Sustainable Democracy. I'm Brett Levy. To learn more about the show and to check out other episodes, please visit www.esdpodcast.org. That's esdpodcast.org. To help support the show, please give it five stars in your podcast app and tell one friend about the show. Thank you and have a great day.